Thanks for taking the time to listen to this NHS Employers podcast. For all the latest NHS HR workforce information, visit www.nhsemployers.org. With continuation of pay restraint and pay settlements of just 1%, the question of how we reward our staff is now at the forefront of the recruitment and retention challenges facing the NHS. But what exactly do we mean by reward and how do we respond positively to this challenge? The kind of traditional old deal around a job for life, a decent pension um, and so on, we all know that that's moved on um, and and I guess aligned to that is the challenge about how we articulate the bit of the reward package that isn't money in your pocket. If you'd have talked about me about reward before I sat down with you, I'd say, well, it's only 1%, it's terrible. But actually reward is, is a lot bigger picture. Hello, I'm Paul Wallace, Director of Employment Relations and Reward at NHS Employers. And to look at the bigger picture of what reward is and how we can better articulate it, I'm on my way today to the Local Government Association to meet a, a long-standing colleague that I've known for many years, Sarah Messenger, their Head of Workforce, to discuss the challenges that they face around reward and what we in the NHS might learn from them. Hello Paul, good Hello, to see Sarah. you. Hello Sarah, nice How are to you? see you again. Come Thank through. Giving up some of your. I think the, the key issues for us around pay and reward, um, I'd suggest are as follows. The, the first one is the new national living wage, which is a particular challenge because uh, the bottom of the national pay spine for local government is significantly lower than where everybody anticipates the national living wage being by 2020. So that's one big challenge. The other big challenge, I think, is, is the role of pay and reward within the wider employment deal that we're offering to people who we want to attract to come and work in local government as well as our existing workforce. So the kind of traditional old deal around a job for life, a decent pension um, and so on, we all know that that's moved on. Um, and But at the same time we're operating in a climate of reduced resources. Kind of getting that balance right in respect of, of the employment deal and where pay and reward sits within it is really important and I guess aligned to that is the challenge about how we articulate the bit of the reward package that isn't money in your pocket and we've we've kind of touched on that over the years we've done bits and pieces some councils have been very proactive but I'm not sure we've ever really properly cracked that that piece of work that's really about actually you don't just get a pay packet you do get a decent pension and that costs us money as your employer but also um, the working environment the flexibility we offer the career development and career pathways all of that I think needs to be articulated better than we've been doing it so far. There's, there's a lot of similarity there there's a lot of similar challenges that we as the NHS are going to have to face. What do you think some of the, the real challenges are going to be when we're, we're going to be employing um, that multi-generational workforce and looking forward a bit to, to people who are going to be coming in in terms of Generation 2020. The, probably the main challenge is that it has to be a proposition that doesn't have one facet to it. It's got to be a, facet, a, a proposition that speaks to those people of different generations with different expectations. Um, and I think the evidence shows us that the millennials are uh, 
actually attracted to public service work. They care a lot about social good, which is great for us when we're looking for talent. Um, and they will want to be fairly paid, but it's not going to be the most important thing. The freedom to make decisions about how they work, when they work, what they work on, who they work with, is going to be really important. At the same time, we also do need some people who come to work and do the same thing every day and do it really well. So we need to be careful we don't get seduced into the idea that everybody's going to have these fantastic, flashy uh, jobs that are, uh, are you know, hugely exciting and everybody's going to be wandering around with an iPad working wherever they like. It's, it's not going to be like that for everybody. Um, and so I think the real challenge is how we articulate that and then how we ensure that across those range of jobs and ways of working, particularly in terms of pay and reward, people still think that they're being treated fairly. Flexibility was something that you, you, you touched on. What do you think some of the, the flexible sort of uh, working challenges from, from an NHS perspective that we could actually learn from, from some of the things that local government have tried and, and are continuing to look at? What, what I would say is that we've got a proud track record in local government around flexible working. Um, and we've been good, and it's certainly been a reason why we've attracted and retained a number of talented, particularly women, into, into the sector. But in a way, it's, it's our, our challenge now really is to move it on from an environment in which we still react to requests for flexible working to actually proactively thinking about how we build flexibility into every single job. So even the people that we need to turn up at a certain time to do a certain job, we can still build flexibility into their jobs. And the real challenge, I think, is to create a mindset where every time we create a new job or we fill an existing vacancy, we don't wait until we've appointed someone and see whether they ask us for flexibility. We build the flexibility in. Most people want some kind of flexibility over when and how they work. And I think our responsibility as employers is to build that in as much as we can, rather than put our workforce in the position of having to ask for it. Hello, Steve. Thank you for agreeing to take some time out of your day to come and um, let me come and see you. Delighted to see you, Paul. Nice to be in Sheffield. Steve Ned is Director of Human Resources in OD at Sheffield Children's NHS Foundation Trust. And like many trusts, Steve is facing the challenge with his workforce supply. And I started by asking him if he could get these supply side challenges right, what would his reward strategy actually be? I think historically we, as an NHS, have been a very, we have a very good reward offer. I think the challenge for us as an NHS is articulating what that reward offer is. So we, we don't shout about the totality of terms and conditions of service within the NHS because we've sort of taken it for granted. But actually when you compare the reward offer in the NHS to many other organisations and I struggle to think of many organisations, many sectors where that reward offer is better if you look at terms and conditions of service, annual leave entitlement, uh, pay, which when I started in the NHS 30 years ago, colleagues of mine who worked in the private sector said why are you going to join the NHS because you're not going to get paid a lot and that wasn't my motivation but actually I think that that gap has eroded now between public and private sector and I think the reward offer in the public sector is, is better. So the first thing I think we need to do is talk about it more and articulate what that reward package is. I think we do have to look at pay because whether we like it or not um, we rely on 
staff coming to work in, this, in our organisation in this sector because most of them have a vocation. They want to work in a caring sector, they want to work in the NHS. And we've exploited, in, in quotation marks, that passion that they have. But actually they also come to work and they've got bills to pay. So I think we have to look at pay. In, in the context of the current financial environment, I, I realise that that's difficult, and I realise it's difficult when we're talking to trade union colleagues about that. And I guess thirdly, I think we, we need to look at career development as a, an element of the reward package, because, again, <coughs> because I've been around a long time, I remember things such as the skills escalator, and but actually all that was doing was articulating the ability to join the NHS and to have a career path and be develop, developed either in one organisation or within the sector. So there are some real opportunities for staff who want to progress the porter to become the chief executive. And again, I think we need to articulate that better for people coming into the organisation. I think what I'm hearing from that, these aren't whizzy new things. These are getting some really common understanding right around some of the real basic things that we need to, to sort of perhaps do a little bit better. As, as, as you're talking Paul I'm, I'm looking at the word reward again and, and in my mind I'm thinking actually when we talk about reward I don't think we talk about reward in the context of one of the questions in the staff survey around a rewarding experience of coming to work so the passion that people feel for coming to do the job and whether or not they feel valued so being, being valued in an organisation is part of the reward package. And that's stuff which is within our gift. We're not, the Treasury aren't going to give us a big bag of cash and say, pay your staff more and they'll feel better. I'm sure they would. Um, but actually there are things within our gift as a sector, as organisations, as HR directors to say, well actually the non-tangible things, but actually the non-tangible things make people feel a lot better. So if they're coming to work and they feel as if they're doing a good job and they have the resources to be able to do the job, then I think reward in its broadest sense is, is part of that package. Could you explain to me how your organisation looks at addressing that? We have no flexibility around what we pay staff. Uh, we have a lot of flexibility about how we value staff. So we've made a conscious effort as an organisation, and, and I know from talking to colleagues around the service that others do this. We've made a big, big effort to actually have a formal recognition service for our staff. We have an annual awards ceremony which from feedback that we get from staff it is a real motivator for them and it's a real recognition of the extra mile that they go to in delivering services. And, and I guess alongside that we also um, run a lot of health and well-being initiatives where we think that if we haven't got flexibility around pay then what can we do to support staff at work which help, help support. And again the feedback we get is that it, it's really positive and it really helps staff in difficult circumstances and that's a range of things so it's if I say health and well-being initiatives I guess some people think Zumba classes we do do Zumba classes but also we do mindfulness sessions but actually it, it's about rewarding our staff and supporting them I think I think the easy question the easy question for us to answer is what can't we do the more difficult question is what can we do and that challenges us as an organization to think a little bit more innovatively around the whole reward agenda Articulating the reward offer in its totality is clearly key to meeting many of the challenges that we as the NHS face. And it's that totality in which flexible working, how we develop value and support staff, which sit alongside pay as important elements of the wider reward offer. But how best do we understand and communicate that reward offer? Rachel Armistead is a programme lead in the Pensions and Rewards team at NHS Employers. 
Our role at NHS Employers is to support organisations in their approach to reward and looking at how reward can support their workforce priorities. So we've produced a number of resources to support organisations with this. We know that um, some organisations have implemented a refer-a-friend scheme. This is a way that organisations can incentivise their current employees to think about who might be right and have the right skills and values, etc. for your organisation. So we've produced a guide and some top tips around designing a refer-a-friend scheme and also implementing and communicating it. Rachel Green is a programme lead in the Pensions and Reward team at NHS Employers. It's really important for trusts to be able to communicate their reward offer effectively to their staff because if staff understand their benefits, they're likely to place a higher value on their reward offer. We produced an infographic about the multi-generational workforce um, and this infographic is designed to encourage employers to think about the age profile of their workforce and to think about how different generations prefer to communicate and to use that information to target their reward communications more effectively. In these challenging times, being able to connect and articulate the various elements of reward are clearly going to be more vital than ever but we need to help our workforce understand what that offer actually is. If you'd like to access resources that NHS employers have produced to help you with your reward offer, please visit www.nhsemployers.org forward slash reward or email reward at nhsemployers.org. I'm Paul Wallace for NHS Employers and thank you very much for listening.